Let's go, girls. Come on. Hey, Brie. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Good, how are you? Good, thank you. Oh my gosh, I'm like starstruck having you on the phone right now. Oh, no, no, oh, God. <laughs> I'm a dork, don't worry. <laughs> oh, goodness. I'm so glad we're finally able to chat. I've been wanting to get you on here for a while. I know. I apologize about my lack on it because it was it was me. I dropped the ball. Oh, stop. <laughs> no. When I first started this podcast, which is when I reached out, I was like, you're the one of the first people I definitely wanted to get on here. So I feel like we've been following each other for quite some time. Yeah. It's been have. a while. It has. Um, I can't remember if I first discovered your Instagram or your Prime show. Um but when I did, I was like instant girl crush. And, oh. and now <laughs> I'm making myself sound creepy, but I wrote a blog post about you just talking about your vulnerability, your honesty, and just you handle yourself on social media with such class. So you're so much fun to follow. Oh, well, thank you. That's actually nice considering the things I get in my inbox. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I definitely, yeah, I definitely want to touch upon some of that nasty stuff because it is helpful to hear and hear how you handle it because seems like I can't imagine you would. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> That's why I don't know. Bizarre. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. But I do have to ask, how the heck does one get on Amazon Prime? Um, my producer did that. That's so crazy. I have no idea. Um, uh, that was all between him. I know we had an agent that um, got the show on Amazon. So, and Very I believe cool. they're still working on Netflix. Wow. That'll be amazing. Yeah. That'll oh, be good. That's exciting. So I guess we can start from the beginning. I don't want to jump into too much. So now I know that you have a producer, so there's more to this story than before Amazon. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, so you're down in Georgia, right? Correct. I live in Peachtree City. That's such a cute name, first of all. <laughs> right? It's so Southern. Um, <laughs> have you always been down there? No. I moved here about five, six years ago. It's been about six years ago. Um, from California. Oh, which wow. is odd, right? Because they don't like hunting. <laughs> I know. What br- well, yeah. I mean, there's so many parts of California. It's so different. But what brought you to Georgia? Um, my husband flies for Delta. Very for Delta cool. Ditch. Yep. And then I just thought it was just getting my lifestyle that I was leading in California wasn't necessarily matching up with the typical Californian. So sure. it, we thought I jumped on it. And I was like, I'll move. Doesn't matter. Yeah. I'd move anywhere. So it really wouldn't matter. But it's it worked out rather nice for my um, hunting abilities. Yeah, that's really cool. Now, how did you guys meet? Match.com. Oh, my God. <laughs> A true success story right there. I yeah, love that. like 12 years ago. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. Yeah, it was. I got set up by a friend. She, like, bought me a month. And I had just broken up with, like, my ex-fiance, and I was like, I don't want to date anybody. And then <laughs> she's like, no, I met my husband on Match.com. And so we would grab coffee before work and check my email. Oh, my gosh. And to see what people were saying. And it became, like, something so funny. And I never responded to anybody except for him. Oh, <laughs> that is so cute. So, yeah, that, oh that was easy. <laughs> I love that. Now, was he living in – so he was living in Georgia then, and that's where you guys first met? No, he was in Cal- – He's from. he was from California. Okay. Um, but he was in Turkey wow. when he messaged me because he's a pilot. So he, he was in Turkey uh, when he – I don't remember how what he said to me on his message, but 
yeah, he said something. I know I'm in Turkey, and then there was a few days where like, I didn't hear back, and then, yeah, it's so random. <laughs> I, that is so cute. Oh, my God. I love that story. It's pretty awesome. That is awesome. Now, I was going back to your blog. Um, that's something I definitely wanted to touch upon, too, but just trying to get a little bit of a background um, when thinking of all the th- many things that I want to ask you. Um, so you did a lot of your culinary experiences or your education out in California. Correct. Mm -hmm. So how did you know you wanted to go to culinary school? I knew I, I remember the day I wanted to, I asked my dad when I was in high school about to graduate and I was like a senior and I said, dad, I want to go to culinary school because I had, I really have like a deep love for cake and that's where it started. Oh God. And then he's like, no, you need to go to like a college and get a real degree so I went to college and I got two bachelor's degrees and then went and worked in um, like communications. I have one in communications and one in art. And I sat in, I was doing like a PR job and I sat in a cubicle all day, which is really yeah. odd because I think if you're like in public relations, you think you would want to like bounce ideas off people. And right. Like, and it wasn't like that. And I hated it. And I stuck it out for a while and then I just was like, I can't take this. And I found myself cooking every day when I got home and that was like my therapy. And then I just was kind of like, I'm just going to do it. And then I went to the culinary Institute, um, of, in, of, Cal- yeah, the culinary Institute in Napa, California. Excuse wow. me. It's been a long <laughs> that day is a long already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now I know why my dad didn't want to, he didn't want to pay for it, I guess. <laughs> But I'm sure it's expensive. <laughs> yes, it's majorly expensive, completely worth it. And then I did, I worked at a lot of famous restaurants in Napa and worked in Europe and worked in wow. the U.S. And yeah, I haven't been stopping since. So that it was so cool. it's awesome. Yeah. How did you get out to Europe? Uh, my husband. <laughs> oh, of course. He's going to fly you anywhere you want. Yeah, he flies. Um, for the, He flew for the Air Force and oh, was so in cool. Germany a lot. So it made it easy. Wow. That is awesome. Yeah. Now, everyone who follows you obviously knows you're a chef. Um, and I saw that you were first a pastry chef. Now, how is that? Is that right? You were a pastry chef first? I was a chef first. Like, um, so usually, like, in the chef life, the chefhood. Um, a <laughs> chef will usually study one area. There's only like two areas in the culinary field, which is like savory, anything savory, and then there's basically baking and pastry. Wow. And if you're like into your, if you're a European chef, then there's bread. I mean, that's a whole category on itself. Wow. Um, I don't, I make bread, but not, not like Europeans do. And um, so I went to the Culinary Institute of America and I studied savory. And you usually only get one degree in in it because then you'd still have to go do another two years of culinary school. No, it's like three years, actually. Three years of culinary school. And then I graduated from there, and then I didn't want to stop. And I went to the Art Institute, and I got my baking and pastry degree. And so I have actually ran kitchens as both a pastry chef and a savory chef. So I've done both. So I get to... I have an uber sweet tooth, like, really, really bad. (laughs) I have the worst sweet tooth ever. So it doesn't help me, but I absolutely love it. Like, I could make a cake or make chocolate, and I feel like that's, like, my yoga. Like, I can just rock out to music and just, like, bake cookies, and I just have so much fun. So it's 
whereas I don't think cooking, you know, like a ribeye is necessarily my therapy, but I love it. <laughs> right. So was it hard? Like is going to savory, I guess, savory school, what is kind of, what do they test you on? Like what are kind of some of the things? Cause I can only imagine you either have the talent or you don't. So it's kind of, can you, is it something you study for? Like how does that, how do you go through some a school like that? It's an intense school. It's one of the hardest culinary schools out there. And it's um, you have to have six months of restaurant industry experience just to get in the door. Wow. So you can't just be like, oh, I I just feel like going to the Culinary Institute of America today. You know, <laughs> Casual. Uh, yeah, you have to um, have worked in the kitchen for at least a minimum of six months um, in a restaurant. And then you get accepted. You, so it's not like you can pay your way necessarily into it. You have to get accepted based on your credentials, on like on your past. Um, so that's how you get in. And then it's um, extremely rigorous. I would go to school at 6 a.m. and I was done at 4, I think, every day, Monday wow. through Friday. Oh so it's, it's intense. And you learn everything from wine and you're tested on mother sauces. And then there's a whole like education like classroom part and then there's the cooking part and you have to be on your game and the cooking part puts it's it's intense but it's I mean you learn so much I mean the chefs are like what are you doing now what knife cut are you doing and you but then you're trying to stay dirt stay clean excuse me and keep your chef whites clean and your knife cuts perfect and you're working on speed and and so it all comes together there but yeah it's not it's not easy for somebody who says, says it's easy. I don't know where that they were thinking. But. <laughs> That's where they got that from. Yeah. So it sounds like it's not really a school that a high school student going to go to Culinary Institute of America next year. I applied, but they have to actually have real life kitchen experience. Like they need to be doing the work, not just bussing tables. Correct. They need to have um, had some sort of back of the house um, experience in order to get. You have to have six months minimum to get in wow yeah it's it's not um it's 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 a real profession um how they take it some I know some culinary schools in America I'm sure they're great um you you just like pay the tuition and it's fine you don't have to have experience but the one that I went to they they required it so it was pretty awesome it was well worth every dollar well (laughs) definitely I mean if they're gonna have you go through all of these credentials and they want to make sure that they're accepting people who want to be doing this at the end and you know it's going to be well worth the money correct exactly yeah, so usually cool. I mean all the students that I all my fellow classmates that I went with to school with like we were all highly passionate passionate about it highly educated already from what we knew right. and we all came from really great backgrounds so it was not like um I worked at Burger King for six months <laughs> or something you know it was all we all had really good restaurant experience and it was you know it was was bring your a game because everyone in the class was bringing theirs (laughs) wow I could not I couldn't imagine doing that I can hardly cook here for my boyfriend I feel so bad for him (laughs) culinary school or kitchen classes but oh trust me there are sometimes I'm like babe can we just order takeout (laughs) I was gonna say what's home life like for a chef like is it amazing meals every night or sometimes it's just pizza no, no. You know what the go-to here for me is like is um, Indian food. Ooh. There's like an Indian food restaurant in my town that I, I absolutely love. So coming from California, I had everything at my fingertips. I had sushi. I had great Mexican, Korean, whatever I wanted. And I'd say that as the 
the thing I miss most about California. And then I come to Georgia and I'm like probably like 45 minutes south of Atlanta. So I'm not in the big city. Sure. And we don't have the culinary lifestyle like I had in California. But I found one Indian restaurant that is like authentic and amazing. And I go there so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You just have that's usually place. yeah. That is my go-to place. Like, no, I don't want Pizza Hut. I want my chick, my chicken tikka masala, and my naan. <laughs> I'm sure you're yeah. a regular there. Oh yeah, they know. They know you are. <laughs> I am the one who comes in my pajamas, and I have no shame getting that chicken tikka masala. <laughs> Everyone needs one of those go-to places, and that's like one of those things too. I, as I mentioned, we're we're moving. We're in the process of moving, so I'm like kind of looking around the town like all right where's gonna be my go-to I don't want to cook I just want to get my meal and go sit on the couch so I'm on the hunt right <laughs> I know mine was like pokey like you know you know those oh girls? yes like in California mm. yeah that was my California thing and the the bad thing about that was we lived in a loft so we owned a loft a cool like oh, really modern neat. loft in California but downstairs on, like, the main level, there were shops and stores, which was great. But they had a pokey place. Like, oh right. Gosh. Like, all I had to do was walk down the stairs. Yeah, <laughs> all the paychecks. It was amazing. Oh, yeah. I supported <laughs> I, I supported them so much. That's awesome. <laughs> pokey really just came, I feel like, to Boston. Or it's really become bigger in Boston just in the recent years. They've been kind of yeah. popping up all over the place. But it's my favorite. I don't mind it. It's I so can, good. I can eat that every day. Oh. I feel like that that's an easy dish to prepare. Is that have you ever made like a poke bowl yourself? Oh yes, yeah. I do it. I mean, whenever I catch fresh tuna or snap I'll do it with snapper or anything like that. They're super easy. Um and I have like my daughter is adopted from Korea and she still has that Korean palate, so she loves rice. So she I is have such like, a cutie, by the way. <laughs> oh, she thank is you. so stinking cute. So I have like rice, a Japanese rice cooker, like going every day. So oh, wow. bowls are no problem in this house. <laughs> <laughs> well, she is lucky that her mom has all that at her fingertips for sure. Oh, she, she's pretty awesome. I got lucky with her. So you're a chef, but what's so unique about it is like you've, you've done all these things in your culinary experience and your background, but what's really cool that you share with your followers is the wild game aspect of it. And like you just said, when you catch wild tuna, you're able to create that meal. How are you? How did you know you wanted to make that switch from, I guess, traditional cooking or from the pastries to harvesting your own meat? So when I was in Napa um, and I was going to school, I had worked an event um, for that, like the school was a part of, and I had met an organic chicken farmer, and we were just so happy cool. to be serving his chicken that day. And it was so delicious, and I went out and I was talking to him, and I was like, this is this is probably the best chicken I've ever had. And then he just kind of took a liking to me, and I next thing I know, like two days later, I'm at his farm, and he's showing me all the chickens, and we're walking around. And then next thing I know, I come back, and I have my own eggs, and then I put them in the hatchery and watch them grow, and then raise them from chicks to full-on chickens and after school I was going and moving them for to different pastures so that they could wow. eat all the organic grass and then I harvested them myself and I butcher I yeah I took my I took my own chickens that I loved I mean they're so <laughs> cute you know and you just you 
you get names, names and time comes and that was really difficult yeah um, and then I just felt as a chef I should be able to do that like it's it should be something that I should respect my view on food is on protein like that it's it is a life and it's given its life to me and I should cook it and present it in the most amazing way possible so overcooking it and like having oopsie moments just shouldn't happen I shouldn't that shouldn't happen so yeah I took my first chickens and then uh, I sat on the floor of my apartment eating my first chicken that I self-harvested and I cried wow like you just feel so bad but yet this chicken is so good and I just kind of that hit me like I should be doing I'm I'm a huge animal lover as most hunters are right so it just it just hit me like I should be doing this myself I should know where my food comes from I shouldn't I know exactly where those chickens came from I watched them they lived a great happy life nothing bad happened to them you know no animal abuse and then the more you start looking at factory farming that got me into researching that and it's just it's horrible i it i understand the need for factory farms to feed the masses but i truly believe that i probably should have been a lawyer to change legislation on how we do it because it and no animal who's going to give up their life for us should be treated in such a poor manner and then i just went and hunted and i only hunt for like you know the old dudes i'm not out there taking young ones or anything like that and I just thought you know what I'm gonna have I'm gonna have meat that I know it lived a beautiful happy life and that really it started with a chicken that's really <laughs> that's cool how it started <laughs> I love that that is it's so emotional and so you're so invested in it I think that's really inspiring to just like you have that true moment of when I did this from the egg to the plate you truly saw the life cycle um yep. That's amazing. So like you said yourself, in California, it's not really, or it's not necessarily accepted to be a hunter, and moving to Georgia, it's really become accepted, that lifestyle. Right. So I'm curious on how, you knew you wanted to harvest your own meat, but how did you get into it? Was there someone maybe you turned to when you had that initial thought, like, I want to do this myself, or like, how did you think, where do I need to go to learn? That's that's a really good question. And when I moved to Georgia, I didn't know anybody. Um, and I think like a month after we moved here, my husband went out and bought me a bow because we were just like at a sporting store. And I was like, that would be so much fun. <laughs> and then I was shooting my bow in the backyard like every day and I just loved it. And then I was like, I need to be hunting. And then six months later, it was hunting season. And I was out there on day one getting, a, getting like my first whitetail. So, that it, so I hard. didn't. It was a little difficult because my husband was is uh, he's not like a big hunter. He he hunts now when he has time, um, but he definitely didn't like grow up with it either because he was born and raised in California as well. So we both didn't grow up with it, right? And then being a female trying to get into it was a whole other aspect. But I just kind of I am one of those people where if you can't tell me to do something, I'm like, oh. I'll hold my beer. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna and I'm gonna take a photo and I'm gonna text it to you yeah. and I'm gonna put it on Instagram. That's amazing. <laughs> so that's kind of like I had a big drive to do it, which not a lot of people have. I can I can't 
you know, that's sad to say, but right. I just, I just had to do it like, and learn from all the dudes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you embrace what you can and you have to, you take the knowledge that is available to you and interpret it the best way you can to fit how you're going to go ahead and do it for yourself. So it sounds like you, it was really self-taught. I mean, like you shot your bow and you went out there come hunting season. Yep. I mean, I went out with um, a couple guides at first, you know, like that's how I learned like how to look for white tail, like what are the signs, like what are, like that's how I started. I think I had like, I hired two guides to help teach me first. And then the third time I was just like off on my own for white tail. Um, but I mean, it, it, I definitely learned basics of what to get, of how to do it. And then once you're in the field, I mean, you'll learn, you, you learn right. the sounds, you learn, you can hear them grunting, you can see where the acorns are, you can, you, you start to, to get it, but it did, it did help. I mean, if, if I say one piece of advice for a female who's like, you trying to get into hunting, but kind of shy about it, well, just hire a guide. He's not going to like shame you or anything, but you learn a ton. Right. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, there's no shame in it. I have no shame. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. You so, embraced it too. And yeah. you made it your own. Right. So I saw your diving too. Not only are you hunting on land, but in the <laughs> ocean. Yes. I am. I have been a water baby since coming from California. Well, California, right California right coast. And my dad is a professional, uh, professional bass, a uh, saltwater bass fisherman. So I grew what? up fishing all the time and being I have to be even cooler than my dad I decided to <laughs> spear fish and he doesn't understand why I want to go in the water and spear a fish but I that is my preferred method of fishing because in my it, I believe well I can back it up with facts but spear fishing is the most sustainable form of fishing because I'm only going to take what I want and there's no bycatch so sure. I'm not Fishing is great, but if you want to look at it, there's if you have a big fish on the line, like you're tiring that fish out and you're stressing him out. Right. Like, is that how, is that necessarily how it should be? I mean, it's a controversial thing for people. And in my defense of spearfishing, that's what I say because, I mean, when I spear a fish, it, it's, it's done. Like, right. it's, it's over. You get a good shot and they don't know any different. So I, I mean, but I just absolutely love being in the water. If I'm scuba diving, free diving, um, I mean, I just, I can't get enough of it. <laughs> I could be there every single day and be a happy camper. I've never done that. My brother, my older brother bought a spear gun. That's what they're called, right? Uh-huh. Spear gun. So he bought one of those and I think it was kind of difficult to do off the shore of Cape Cod because the water's not the clearest, but I think the further you go out, I'm assuming maybe it might get clearer. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. But, no, you're right because it's um, on hand, yeah. Right. So I just see, I can, I mean, it makes sense. You bring up a really good point. Like, he only did it, he did it for fun. But if you're going to do it to truly harvest, to put dinner on the table, if you're going to truly harvest your own wild game, fish, you're really, you're going out there and you're going to make a kill shot for a purpose. And you're not just going to throw a hook out into the ocean and hope for a keeper. It's really, right. you're getting right in front of them and you're doing it with such intent that that's where I can see where the the conversation comes in, where it can be really controversial. Um, I mean, and I also don't want to catch sharks like that. Right. They're so vital to our ecosystem. The last thing I want to do, like 50% of sharks who get caught on like on a hook can die because they're just so stressed out afterwards. Even right. though they swim away afterwards, it's still, it's a 50-50 chance. So 
I mean, I'm own, I can see exactly which one I want and I can take the biggest one and cause obviously that's what you want. You want to let the little ones grow. And so right. I, I, and that's what I believe is a great form of fishing. It isn't for everybody. I don't like not like fishing. I mean, granted, I love going fish, any kind of fishing, fly fishing, whatever it is. I still love it. Um, I would say spear fishing is number one in my book for me. <laughs> No, it has to be scary. Was your first time like totally frightening? Because I would be terrified going in the open ocean. Um, like that. I mean, to say that you don't have like a little anxiety of like sharks and stuff at first, like I'd be lying. Like my first time, like yeah, that's you're deep in the water, you're holding your breath, you're battling contractions, um, you're in the middle of like. 50 miles off the coast you know so crazy it's it's crazy you don't have a life jacket on but but there's something magical to me that happens in the water and then once I'm there like I'm just in the zone and it's just beautiful and it's so quiet and you feel like you're flying and oh my gosh I would love to see that it's pretty amazing that's so I mean yeah the fear is there was there I mean now I don't have it I was just swimming with sharks in the Philippines so now I'm like casual seek them out (laughs) (laughs) that's so cool so you mentioned that obviously sharks are such a great a huge part of our ecosystem you would think comes hand in hand with when you're a hunter or a fisherman you're also a conservationist but I feel like for a lot of people that's just not the case sadly so how do you advocate for some of the things that you strongly feel for and you really want people to be aware of? What kind of are some efforts that you go out of your way to really make sure that you kind of drive that message home? So sharks uh, is, is probably a big thing that I'm an advocate for. It's when you see how important they are to the, to fish and to our waters and the oxygen in the waters and everything else like that. If we don't have sharks, they can't, we can't have a balanced ecosystem in the ocean, which means we we won't have fish to eat. Right. So there, I think media has portrayed these creatures to be evil meat eating, you know, human eating things. And it's not, it's just, you have to realize you're in their territory, and if they mistake you in a black wetsuit for a seal, they're not like, oh, it's not their fault. Right. Yeah, it's not their fault. Like, it's it's like a, a puppy doesn't intentionally try to bite you. He's just doing what a puppy does. Like, right. So it's, they get, they got it, they have a bad rap, but, and it's sad because they play such an important role. And then when you look into like shark finning, where people are, cutting off the just the top of the top of their fin and then throwing them back in the water oh, I mean it's, it's awful and science has shown that no it doesn't do anything for the male organs it doesn't serve any purpose at all so I mean they're so important to our environment so what happens in the ocean will translate to the land so if we don't keep our oceans happy we're not going to keep our land happy so it all kind of goes together and I I do like um, a lot of work with a group called Shark Angels and they're, um, it's just a big group and we advocate for sharks and we'll have like online class, um, like online like webinars to teach kids about in schools about sharks and the importance of them. I just went to the Philippines with them. Um, It's just really awesome to have a good group of, there's a lot of women in there. I'd say the majority is women, but that we all have the same mission to like help. They don't necessarily like spearfish as much as I do. Um, but because of spearfishing is how I realized how important sharks are. 
and then there's like plastic is like the whole other issue. I mean, oh, like, gosh, yeah. there's not a dive that I don't go down and don't pick up something. So, I mean, it's truly, it's truly harmful, but sharks, I would say is my number one advocate. And then it's like, if I'm getting on land, I'm, I'm a big conservationist on, on predator, like predator control. I know that some people don't like to see it, but sometimes you, we, we have to do it or else they're right. going to decimate elk populations. Right. Or if you don't keep, you know, I got a ton of flack from my bear, which is funny, but if we don't, if you don't limit the numbers, like they just cause more harm. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. Fellow hunters do, but you know, a regular person from like California doesn't know if how invasive massive amounts of bears or pigs can be right and the destruction that they can do so and you have pigs in your backyard I'm sure right they're all over Georgia yeah they're all over here and I hunt a lot in Texas and boy oh boy (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness and they're scary like they will charge you won't they yeah they're yeah they're huge I mean yeah I didn't realize they're not pretty pretty animals So you just mentioned your black bear hunt, and I've heard a lot of the things in the news about people who are on TV shows and are doing these big bear hunts, and I've seen a lot of things in recent articles of just bear hunting and the populations, and people are like, oh, save them, but you you would run the other way if you were to see that in person, face-to-face. So how did you kind of manage the backlash from that hunt? Because that's such a cool experience. Like you said, for hunters will appreciate that, but that's such an incredible journey and you want to really cherish that. How do you not let the people that are really trying to break that memory down get to you? Um, it's, it's funny that you say that. I probably just returned from BC, Canada. I was on a bear, another bear hunt and I probably think I got back like a week and a half ago from that. Um, but my first bear hunt, damn, I got a lot of flack for that one. Ugh. Um, I mean, which is a whole other subject. It came from fellow female hunters, which is a whole other. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's where the backlash came. I mean, also like vegans and stuff. When they see a person with a bear, they automatically think that it's a I'm trophy. a trophy hunter. Yeah. And it's not. I actually ate the meat, gave it to the Indian tribes in BC. And so like it did, it did more than just, I didn't just use it for the Instagram trophy shot which is funny because then by hunters I was getting called like not a real hunter which I don't understand is there some sort of level I have to get to I don't I don't understand because I don't post trophy I don't post as much trophy hunts as like some people do but to me the trophy is not that picture with the animal with the beautiful animal and me behind it the trophy is actually like on my table and how amazing like the amazing time I had with my friends and family thanks to this meat and what it's going to do to my body and it goes on like that's that's my trophy so because I don't show that Instagram photo I got called like a non I'm not a real that is so silly so I'm like okay okay (laughs) (laughs) and if you're really going to put a definition to it it's like being a hunter way back when what's in our DNA is to provide for the family. Right. So you couldn't be any closer to it. It's like, I don't know how people can even have a argument on just because you're not po- posting a photo per se or whatever it might be. That's just so silly. Right. And I'm just like, if that's, if that's what a hunter is, is to post with a dead animal on Instagram, 
then I am fine. I just, I'm a provider then. Right. Yeah. I don't care about my title. It's not important to me. <laughs> That's so funny. So, I mean, I, it's true. It's like, what did, what did you do before Instagram? What did these people post before or not even post if Instagram wasn't here? Were you really hunting? It's like, yeah. why is it such a competition? So exactly. I, think, I think for some people too, it's, I mean, for me, just speaking from personal experience, it can be hard to kind of just share a true passion if you don't have people around you or in your everyday life, like you said, in California, you didn't have people around you that were hunting. So for me, I started an Instagram and I think that's the Instagram where we connected. Um, I had Brie Outdoors, which I yep. just wanted to do kind of a blog, an Instagram blog, and really just share or dedicate that page to my interest, my learning experiences in the outdoors, but it like, it started just to feel a little inauthentic because none of my quote real life friends were following it. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't sharing my personal life. Like you do so well. And also your hunting experiences. And I I deleted it. because I was just like, this doesn't feel right. Like I need to truly be me. I like hunting. I shouldn't be ashamed for it. Right. I like to fish. Why can't I post a a fish that I caught and released. What's so wrong with that? So when you started posting hunting photos, what are some of the things that you got from maybe friends back home and how did you deal with it? Oh, friends back home from California. I remember the first, the first most ridiculous one was she, a fr- well, she's not a friend of mine now. <laughs> um, Hope because, she's not listening. <laughs> yeah. Because I, um, I posted a picture of like shooting, um, like target practice on a fake pig, you know, like the 3D target. Sure. It wasn't even a real pig. And yeah. she started like this firestorm on like blasting me on Facebook. Gosh. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like, a, it's a fake pig. <laughs> wow. A real one. So, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I lost a little bit of friends, but I, I don't know. Like what I don't, but the funny thing is, is like, well, I don't judge you for your, food choices if you're a vegan that's great I'm still gonna go hang out with you and we'll go to a vegan restaurant I don't care I guess I'm not gonna not be your friend but then the moment it's just like when people just seems like lately when people disagree with you it's just their way or the highway and they don't want to take any um consideration to learn why I do what I do there's no common ground yeah you're just automatically an evil person almost because you hunt like but you don't understand but I do love that I have one of my good friends one of my best friends here she's from South Africa and she's a, a hardcore vegetarian and her and I are best friends and she truly appreciates what I do after I explained to her and so it's it's pretty awesome when you do have people who don't agree with your life choices, but understand and like can appreciate why I do what I do, which is really nice. Yeah. That's a true friendship. I mean, for someone to really sit down and listen to why you choose to put the food on the table a certain way, as opposed to then showing them kind of, well, this is the food that you're eating. That cow or that chicken may not have lived the best life and you're still eating that meal happy as can be, but it's like, you need to have some some way educate them on the appreciation of that game. And I think you do that really, really well. Well, thank um, you. Thank you. That's very cool that you have a friend that can just appreciate that, but she still has no desire to eat any meat. 
Yeah. Um, a big shout out to Gail. She knows, she knows who she is. She rocks. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. I love it. So when do you, how do you have time to go out and go diving and go hunting and provide for your family and, or for, I know you had a restaurant for a little bit. How do you have time to go out and hunt? Uh, during the restaurant, I didn't have time <laughs> very much. Um, but now, now it's, uh, it's so funny. I have a career in the outdoors and it's funny that I don't get to be outdoors as much as I did before my career. In the yeah, outdoors. that's interesting. Um, but now it's like a lot of, you know, like writing and articles and I do hunts and I'm like traveling to write about here or they're filming or something. But um, usually like during, well, this fall is going to be different, but um, <laughs> like last, last fall, the restaurant opened, which was a big setback. I didn't get to actually go whitetail hunting one time last fall because of it. But before, like I just make time for it. And usually if like, um, the good thing about having a pilot husband is like, he'll be gone weekends, which is usually when everybody goes out hunting. But then when he comes back, I can go hunting on a Tuesday and it's perfectly fine. And right. so that's usually when I squeeze my hunting in is when like on random weekdays. Um, but then I have really good friends that I've met that like have hunting property and we go at the drop of a hat, like, Oh, you're free. Yes. Let's go turkey hunting. Like, so, which is awesome. So I do have a good group of friends here that almost hold me accountable <laughs> because it's like, we want to socialize too. And then right. we want to go hunting so that that helps a lot. So I wish I could do more, but I mean, during the, now that the summer is approaching, I don't know. I'll be in Africa. I mean, <laughs> oh my goodness. I'll be in South Africa. Africa. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm hoping to make tuna season out in California. Because oh, cool. one of my bucket list items for 2019 is to catch, like, to spear, like, a 100-pound tuna. So we'll wow. see if I can go, hurry and go to California after I return from South Africa. <laughs> that would be amazing. If Whenever I see tuna on the menu, that is my go-to. I, I look at nothing else. Me when too. I see tuna, Me that's too. what I get. <laughs> yep. Me that too. is so funny. So you mentioned, I mean, it's so it's so funny that you mentioned, like, before you had an indi- or a career in the outdoors as opposed to being in the outdoor industry, having less time to be out there hunting and really fishing, enjoying doing what you love, writing articles and doing all that filming. How did that really, how did that come about? Like when did people approach you or did you, did you approach people saying, I really want to do this for a living or how did that all come into play? You know, they, uh, honestly, I think it's, um, I, all I can say is I think what, what kind of gave me success personally is because I had my own niche. I was a chef hunting for my own food. And so not a lot of professional, I'm actually a professional chef, not just one that labels themselves that on Instagram, which really annoys <laughs> me. Yeah. And I, you know, like they've never worked a day in the restaurant and they you know, grilled a backstrap and now they're a chef. Like it's okay. Right. <laughs> you're like, you're totally discrediting all of my hard work and, and stuff. But anyways, I think um, that was actually the uniqueness of that and being a female on top of it kind of got my foot in the door in places that 
I probably like would have been a little bit harder for somebody who didn't, who was just like, say a hunter. Um, That's kind of where I, that's, I started writing for a ballistic magazine and because I hunted for food, that's how I got my column was what is wild kitchen. And then that's where my producer found me. And so it's kind of that, that little weird niche in that hunting industry is how it all came about for me. So it was, it was cooking that kind of got my foot in the door into hunting. <laughs> That's really cool. And I can't even think about, I mean, I'm sure there's other out, other people like you out there who are doing this. And if there aren't, I mean, feel free to own up and say it. But do you, are there anyone else that you follow that do what you do and showcase um, it like you do? There's a one girl. I don't, I don't know her name. I think her, <laughs> her Instagram is wild and whole. Cool. I think she she portrays hunting in a really beautiful light, and I think she's doing a really good job. She's probably like my, my favorite one out there at the I'll moment. I'll have to check her out. Her food is very elegant and refined. Like I, as a professional chef, I don't want everything stuffed with cream cheese. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the right. gluttonous American dude food. I want to show how refined a wild dude food. Be. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. You know, dude food, like burgers and slap yeah. cheese on it and that whole thing. And I think she does a, a really good job of elevating it. And the funny thing is, is I, saw, I think I saw her Instagram today and she says a wild game cook. And I was like, wow, she's so like, I want to hang out with her because she's just, she's got it. Like she just seems like a genuine person. She does it really well. So that's very cool. And like you wild said, and whole. <laughs> yeah, that's, I love that. I need to check her out. And like you said, it's like she has such an elegant way of presenting. And just like you said earlier, it's the presentation of that life cycle. Like you don't right. want to burn the chicken. You don't want to screw it up. Like you really want to own it and respect it. Right. I want to showcase it. And, and that's why like this is why I pride myself on hunting. Like I will take the shot. I will gut myself I will butcher myself because I feel like if I can be brave enough to take the shot I should do the animal justice and take it all the way through my hands are on my animals all the time like from the moment I pull the trigger or release my bow or my arrow like uh, my hands are on it and I feel like in a way like that's just doing the animal justice like I care so much I'm not gonna let you out of my sight yeah that is <laughs> that so type cool. of thing oh my god you're such a badass how did you <laughs> become you. like how did you just I mean I love I love being outdoors I really started to get into hunting with my dad and my boyfriend my brothers and all male figures but that's what's around me mm-hmm. um and I'm really just starting to educate myself on every little bit every little aspect of it but I still for I have a hard time of like watching someone well fillet I can fillet a fish but to get out there and skin your buck or whatever it is in the field I don't know what it is I guess how did you just kind of get over that or did you even have to are you one of those people that like blood doesn't bother you or um blood doesn't really bother me like it's not you know the thing is with hunting is some well I guess for some it might be it's not a grotesque thing usually right it's not usually like you know a crime Bloody guts. yeah yeah um but I mean being a sh- I do attribute being a chef to a lot of that like I've become numb like in culinary school we had just part of it yeah you butchered cows and pigs and lamb and you you saw them so you saw that whole process basically you know so I think 
that kind of just numbs you and then dealing with it in the work environment, you kind of just become second nature, but it is different than like having pieces brought into a restaurant and then being out there in the field. Like I did cry the first time I got my buck and skinned him and it's, it's the animal lover in me like felt really bad, you know, but, but that's, that's why I feel like I needed to do it because it's such a proud moment. Yeah. Like if I, it's, it's, it's like, oh, you know, it's like, like an example is like, you know how you like, you have a dog and you, uh, you take on the responsibility of a dog. And then when you go, have to put them down and right. some people don't want to be in the room with it. Well, that is the one time they need you most in their whole life. And you're going to walk away from them to like, it's like, suck it up, so buttercup. it's right. not about you at that moment. It's about right. the animal. And so, like, that's how I feel when I, like, harvest animals. It's so weird. But it's so cool, though, that you, like, acknowledge that connection. I just, like, want to be there and, like, make sure it's, you know, done right and treated fairly. And, yeah, that's kind of my – I guess it's a very womanly take on it because we're very emotional and empathetic creatures. So – it's I take more time I, I have a little bit more finesse I think than like men are like yeah just get in there and yeah I'm like I'm sorry buddy I love you so much thank you for this meat you know in yes. my head not wait to eat you and share yeah. it with my family well, that's yeah. very cool I, I love your outlook on that I think that's I mean you hit the nail on the head of just your finesse and just wanting to make sure that you're executing ethically and it's not suffering right you want to be there till the end that's very correct awesome. yeah so would you say like your first experiences were really the most memorable or since you've kind of been become more experienced, is there a more memorable moment? I, th- I still think like the first few hunts of when I started were I got, well, I'll never forget, like never, right. ever, ever forget. Um, whereas now I, I have, I always have a great time hunting and I can remember a lot but I don't think they hit me as emotionally as like my first time I, you know, got one with, with my bow or my rifle and harvested them myself. I don't think I'll ever forget that. Or the first time, like my dog, my own dog, like I shot a bird and she brought it back to me. Like I have that pheasant on my wall and I took it to the taxidermist and he's like, are you sure you want this one? Like taxidermist, he's not the prettiest one. I'm like, yes, I want this one. (laughs) Oh, such a good memory. And your dog, I have to say GSPs and for German short hair pointers for our listeners who don't know, because every time someone's like, oh, what kind of dog do you guys think you're going to get? And I say GSP and they don't know what it stands for. I love them. Um, It's so funny. My boyfriend and I are like freaks about them. They're like our dream dogs. Oh, it's like a cult following, I feel, it almost is. with them. I mean, pointers. when you get them, you'll you, call me up again when you get your GSP, <laughs> and then we, we can relate because I am, like, head over heels, madly in love with my dog. Like, she can do no wrong in my book. And then when I see other pointers, I'm like, oh, my God. It's like you're automatically, you know, like when motorcycles ride, like, on yes. the highway. Motor games. Like, yeah. And they, like, all give each other, like, a signal. Like, hey, man, you're my friend because you ride a bike. Like, or, like, that's the how Jeep it is wave. With you. Yeah, the Jeeps. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it is, like, with GSPs when you're at the dog park. You're like, we are best friends already because we have the same type of dog. That is so funny. <laughs> the GSP wave, whatever it's going to be. Yeah, it exactly 
that's how it is. <laughs> and they're so funny. My mom has a Vishla, which Pointer family, and mm-hmm. she is like, she's a human. Like her characteristics are so hilarious. She has a mind of her own. She she has the Vishla wine uh-huh. and just wants to be, she's a Velcro dog. She just wants to be by your side all the time. Like, we'll that's just my be, dog. Yeah. You'll just be standing there. And she'll just needs to like put her butt against you or lean on you. Like, yes. Under oh, the gosh. covers. In, in the bathroom. Face. You got pee, mom. <laughs> yeah. I'm right there. I'm going to lean on you while you pee. I got you. <laughs> Don't worry. You won't go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it is so true. So that's <laughs> cool. You taught. So Remy, right? Remy, Remington? yes. Uh-huh. I Remington. Yep. And her call her Remy. Oh, my God. That's the cutest name. I know we've already been through like four different names and I will. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get such and such, whatever the name is now. And he's like, well, what happened to this name? And I was like, oh, well, I really liked this one this day. So, oh, I know. I already have my male picked out because we That's would like so to funny. get another one and we would like to get a boy because Remy's a female. So I'm like, we need to have Remy and Rain. <laughs> oh, my God. That's cute. <laughs> and I've heard they do well with two. Like they do really well as a pair. Yeah, because they're um, you have to be prepared for a GSP. Just an FYI, because they are highly active. Yes, but um, so she apparently, if you get to like, they'll go and play and wear each other out. Um, it's if you're looking for a dog that doesn't need running or anything like that, then don't get a GSP. Oh God, yeah. Um, I was like, I love fitness. Like fitness plays a huge role in my life. And when I got Remy as a puppy, I'm like, it's no problem. I love run. Like I'll go for run. I'm not the hugest. I don't like running marathons or anything, but I'll go do it for exercise. I'm like, yeah, I'll take her. It's going to be no problem. You know, she'll motivate me to go even more. I'm like, I can't even run fast enough one for her and I could there is she can she can run marathons I mean she's I literally don't on my golf cart and like put it full speed and she's still like hauling ass in front of me (laughs) that is so funny and that sounds like Maven my mom's speechless she just like will run circles around the house you get her to the beach and she's gone chasing every seagull oh, yeah you're like, gonna need that ball trucker like at pets oh yes that you could that's that'll be your biggest toy in the house like best investment for a gsp is the ball trucker <laughs> that is hilarious i definitely need to get one of those all right i'm definitely yes. gonna be calling you up about all the things no problem gsp related <laughs> i have a great breeder if you need one okay so we need to know these things what's really funny is so my boyfriend's from north carolina and we were down there and I was like, we we're just talking about GSPs and there's a breeder. He lives right next to a huge field. Um, you can see 95 from it, but it's just like a giant field that they do cotton, all kinds of different things. But anyways, they have, there's a GSP breeder right across the field from him that we've never known. And he went one day, I had come back home, but he was down in North Carolina and he went over and like sent me pictures of them and I was like okay we have oh, to get gosh. it from there because it's in the same little town that you grew up in uh-huh. like, oh, makes sense but it's meant to be that's so funny <laughs> so you trained Remy then she hunts mm-hmm. yeah so we got cool. her from a breeder um in uh Kansas Central City Iowa is where we got her but okay. so she was learning um the sounds of guns like um shotguns when she basically came out of the womb wow and she is not afraid of fireworks any anything that sounds like a gun she is like oh my god mom 
it's amazing where are they <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then she did um we did training with her as well I mean she's still gonna go she's still there she's still young she's only she just turned three um oh. so technically she's only had like two seasons um so but I've I've had her in training since she was about six months old wow so she I mean it's um unbelievable so one time on social media I got pinned for how dare I have a hunting dog because of Remy when I posted a picture of her and I hunting like uh, hunting dogs are mistreated and how dare I and all that stuff and I was like I responded and I sent them a message and I sent a picture of Remy in my bed I'm like yeah she is so mistreated like yeah but when you see them working I just would like to see have them like you go watch that dog in the field and she is doing exactly what is in her DNA like right. there's not I can't there's a lot there's a lot of training that goes into her but a lot of it is just pure instinct like she just is bird crazy and she I mean it's 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 really remarkable to hunt with dogs it's probably my favorite type of hunting is hunting with my dog because you know I love her so much but they're so happy they're so intense they can go all day like it's just it's just a blast it's so true, though. Like, that's what they were born to do, and they're happiest when they're doing that for you, too. Like, oh, yeah. And oh, it, yeah. It, people don't see that. It's like, they were actually born to do this, Like, and I am giving that dog the opportunity to do that, because so many people will have a hunting breed and don't allow it to like necessarily live its best life. Right. And like, go and do what it was bred to do. Right. Yeah. Remy is like her proudest moments is like, mom, I got it. Oh my God. You that know, is or so it's cute. Like you miss, she's like, what? Well, uh, excuse me, mom. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Didn't get yourself? it. <laughs> yeah. That is so funny. So having, <laughs> you have the GSP at home, you have uh-huh. a little one. How do you like manage all of that? Your, all your travels, your hunting, what's home life like? Like, how are you able to kind of sit home and do something that maybe Instagram doesn't see or a hobby that you guys do together. What's that like down in Georgia? Oh my gosh. Um, it's a lot of calendar. Like, did you put it in the calendar? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's a lot of that. I don't have family necessarily here to like lean on all the time. So it's, um, definitely a balance of schedules. If what you don't see on Instagram is I hardly ever wear makeup. I'm constantly in gym clothes and I work out a ton. And usually my free time is with Remy or my daughter um, or my husband. If he's here, if he's, here, if he's home, like we will hang out. That's what we like to do. We just kind of, we, my daughter, she's five and she's just obsessed with like this triominoes board game, which I will foster to no end because it, she doesn't want to watch iPad. She wants to That's play awesome. this board game with numbers. So she, so we do a lot of that right now. <laughs> What's it called? Triominoes. What like is this, that? These little triangle pieces and they have like a number at each end, like a, like a one and a zero and a five. And then you've got to match it up. And then, so you get like seven pieces and you got to get rid of your pieces to like, oh, wow. be, to win. Yeah. She, she will beat you. sure yeah well that's awesome that you don't that she's not in front of like a screen like she's so invested in a game like she absolutely like truly loves it yeah I mean she's pretty remarkable little five-year-old so she um has been swimming with manatees out in in the middle of the ocean like no problem we went swimming with the manatees she knows um like mommy will bring home um 
the my hunted items and she knows where they came from and she absolutely like loves venison um loves when I go spearfishing loves 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 that and she knows exactly where her, she she says yeah my mommy hunted for food you know or when people come in the house and they see my bear they're like yeah the mo- we ate that you know she's so it's cool. pretty cool like she uh, she knows where her, her food has a face and she she's not like Oh no, don't yeah. eat that. You know, yeah. She's she's pretty I think she's a pretty cool little chick. What a cool <laughs> childhood. That is awesome. We just got back from Paris. She went to Paris for her fifth birthday. I mean, oh don't God. they all? And yeah. then, <laughs> <laughs> Mommy Paris this year. Yeah. We did. And she um goes, Mommy, I want me and you to learn French so that daddy won't know what we're talking about. So oh my God. Now Best I'm like getting her a French either. tutor and she's I mean, you're freaking awesome. I want to be you when I grow up. (laughs) She sounds amazing. Is hunting something that, like, do you really want her to know or to show her? Or do you just going to kind of let her, if you want to learn how, you can do it. But if you don't, you don't. But it sounds like it's something she might be interested in. Yeah, I think it's, I'm going to leave it up to her. It's definitely something, like, I wouldn't want to push somebody into. Right. Make her do that. Like, um, if if I harvest an animal or if I take down an animal, like I don't know how she's going to take it, even though I seems like she's pretty well with it. But I think that's, I'll make it her choice when she gets older, if she would like to go out. Um, the, the fun thing here in Georgia is a lot of the kids do go out with their parents when they get, when they're old enough to, right. so she has already like, she, we have like, you know, smaller toy guns. And so she knows, she knows that how to handle them. So, I mean, it's just instilling that no fear, like guns aren't, we shouldn't be fear, fearing them. We just know how to handle them properly. And so if she wants to, great. If she doesn't, that is perfectly fine. Like I just will foster really whatever she wants to do as is fine by me, I guess, you know? Oh, such a badass (laughs) mom. You're badass in everything you do, Brie. Good God. (laughs) Oh, sounds no. I, I have no idea what I'm doing it when it comes to mommy. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I'm sure she's having the time of her life whenever you're home, but I know you're headed to Texas, right? At the end of this week, you mentioned. Yeah. This week on Thursday. So, so is this, I was reading your blog. Of course I had to do some studying before getting on here. <laughs> um, now, is this the wilderness to table experience? Yes. So, so I want to hear all about that. Yeah, I've partnered up with a um, outfitter in Texas, um, Executive Outdoor uh, Adventures. And so an option now for them, for anybody interested, is to um, book the Wilderness to Table experience instead of just a regular hunt. So with that, um, I will come hunt with you. We'll go hunt and then we'll butcher and I'll show you how to do the cuts and uh, on your, the animal that they self-harvest. And then we go in the kitchen. There's like a beautiful lodge with a great big kitchen and we will make the meal together. And I'll show you how to, how a chef takes it from, from wilderness to table and we do the whole thing. So it's kind of fun for them to actually get their hands on their own animal and, and enjoy it at the end of the day as well. So it's pretty cool that I actually, it was like always in the back of my head that I wanted to do something like that. And now it's like coming to life. So it's really fun to see people eat, you know, and enjoy their own harvest. Like, 
It's pretty awesome. I love that. You can just, I'm sure getting to see like people's faces light up when they harvest their own meat. It's going to be such a cool experience. Yeah. I mean, and like, that's what I get to do for a living. Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) You know, I don't mind. (laughs) And like you said, it's such a niche and like no one else can really, aside from that one girl that you talked about, can offer something like that, an opportunity like that. And I think that's definitely something to be proud of for sure. Right. And I'm not just like a, a self-taught person. Like I actually right. have very extensive fine dining background. My goodness, so. I know. <laughs> I know what you talked about. Yeah. crazy. So people get to kind of, you show them how to cook, you show them how to prepare. But for other people, I mean, lucky for us, you share a lot of your recipes on your blog. Mm-hmm. But have you ever thought about doing like a wild game cookbook? Or do you have that one? Is, that is in the works, actually. Okay. <laughs> the, a cookbook is in the works. And the spice blend that I use for everything, um, I think you got it. Was that in my package? Yes, that yes. was in your package. Okay. I was almost and- used it on ground meat, and I said, no, this isn't right. So I haven't unpackaged it. You can yet. use it in ground meat. You can use it to spice any meat. But I want like, I really want to use it for something that I, that I get. Girl, if you if you need more, you know where to get it from. Okay. <laughs> thank you, um, thank you, thank you. But, but yeah. I want I really want to put it on a meat that I've harvested, maybe like my first, right? Um, my first year, my first whatever it's going to be. Um, I really want to use that for that, so making it keeping it special. But, special. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool though. So how did how did you make your own seasoning? Um, well, I've, I've professionally, I've done a lot of products that have, um, in the past, like, uh, I used to do like product development for items that are like sold in grocery stores. So I would create lots of spice blends, um, lots of marinades, lots of, um, marinated meats, um, things like that. So I, I have a good background on that. And then I just, it's almost like I prefer to make my own blend. And then I found myself with wild game, um, it's really interesting because like sometimes heat doesn't really translate very well to it. And so like chilies are kind of, they're good, but it's not great all the time. And then depends on like what you're serving it with. Um, Sometimes sweet is great with one, but not the other. And then, so mine is actually um, porcini mushroom heavy. So I take freeze dried porcinis and I won't say what else is in there, but (laughs) that's what, and I took freeze dried porcini mushrooms and I grind them up and then I add a little bit more spices and that gives it like this umami earthy, awesome flavor you're like but I can't I don't really know what it is but it's awesome yeah and so I think that just plays well with wild game because what are they eating they're eating mushrooms and they're eating like the feel like you know stuff like that very earthy items so it it pairs really well very cool so So it's literally coming from like it's your meat and all of the spices from the earth it's truly you're getting it from the wilderness Yes. So like, it's like, it's like uh, my little motto or a lot of chefs play by this, like what grows together goes together. Sure. So like, it's the same as like hunting. Like if the, if you're harvesting a fall bear and they're eating berries, well, guess what? They're, what's going to go great with it. Right. (laughs) Berries. So it's, it's pretty fun. It's pretty, I I like it. I think the spice blend came out good. (laughs) I'm excited. Oh, I'm so excited to try it. I really need to get something down soon. So that's awesome. Yeah, so wild you can try it on a steak. It's really a good. Steak? You'll, okay. Yeah, because the, the the flavor is milder than wild game, so you'll really be able to taste the spice blend. Ah, all right. 
I got to do that soon. That'll be maybe that'll be the first meal. We're trying. We're like, what's the first meal going to be in our new house? All, all these corny things. Oh, that's always so home. fun. We're like, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. But um, that steak sounds perfect. There's a nice butchery down the road that all of our friends love to go to. It's like a restaurant, and then they have um, their whole their uh, whole market. But then they have craft beers. It's perfect. So we'll have to go over there and get some. Yeah, it'll go well. Awesome. Right. So a cookbook is in the works. Yes, that's coming. (laughs) You have that, you have this outfitter experience, and you also have a a apparel line launching. I do. It's called, yeah, you're the first one to know now. Oh my gosh. Pretty Little Renegade. And it's, um, I teamed up with a good friend of mine who owns American Warrior Apparel. Um, I promote a lot of the shirts because I just believe in the concept and he helps, he helps veterans and that whole thing. And so um, I jokingly one day called him and I was like, I need a shirt to say this. And, and he was like, I was like, we need to make this. And I jokingly said it. And he's like, let's do it. Yeah. And <laughs> then I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, I've been wanting to like team up with you for so long. And he says that he planted the seeds in me. And now like I was the one who like, came and he wanted you to come like it grew yeah (laughs) and so I did and then um now it's not really it's not hunting related but it's more about like um showing how badass chic and awesome women can be so we're gonna start with t-shirts and it's going into like um athletic wear like athleisure so it's kind of like chic badass with a little bit of edge so like a woman doesn't always have to be so dainty and pretty like you can be you can look really fantastic but have that like cool edge to you still so that's kind of where our shirts and our athletic line is gonna go so it's been a really really fun project (laughs) to get started so yeah we just are waiting for like the government our government papers to come back we have the name trademarked um i mean so like it's a serious no joke so hopefully by christmas you'll be able to buy our items oh my god that's so exciting yeah, before the timing yeah so i'm really excited about it i think everybody's gonna like i have i wore a couple shirts that people like have commented on and now if you go to my instagram you'll probably see which one i'm talking about and it caused kind of um, like where did you get that <laughs> and um, that's where my line is gonna go so it's just a fun i never saw this coming but what a freaking awesome blessing and it's because if you can't find me hunting, I'm definitely in the gym working out because I'm training for a dang bikini competition. So you go, girl. <laughs> yeah, I know. I need another thing to do. That's what yeah, my we'll husband's like. Something. I'll get back. Yeah, my, <laughs> my husband's like, why are you just signing up for another thing to do? <laughs> my goodness, that is so funny. I feel so like it's gonna be fun. I'm similar in that way where I have like a lot of ideas and like. I want to start this business and I want to have a podcast and then I don't get back to my podcast for like three months. And then I'm like, okay, well, I'm really going to commit to it now. And I, I'm all over the place with my ideas, but I just need to kind of nail them down and really focus on them. And it's, you're really good at it. You're really good at, you have an idea, you're sticking to it and you're showcasing it so gracefully. Um, oh God. Be, being put in so many <laughs> different directions. It. It's crazy. <laughs> So oh, the chaos behind it. Oh my god, my life is not as calm as Instagram <laughs> portrays it to me. I wish it was. But um yeah, it's I mean it's a lot of dedication. My poor blog has suffered because now all the food that I'm doing is going to my cookbook, but I don't post on the blog, so 
it's like now I got to do double time to like compensate and I'm like, I'm like back blogged because we have so much. <laughs> well, you I... don't want to give away recipes either. It's like you're saying. Yeah, pizza, exactly. But... And I have like trips that I, I have trips to talk about. And I, so I, my poor little blog. Oh <laughs> Maybe just throw on recipes. Be like cookbook coming soon. You can wait. Like, right. Things coming in here. I know people already, like I was just doing this event at the Ritz Carlton this weekend and I was like a guest chef and I did duck al pastor tacos and i've already have dms for that message for that recipe and i was like oh like i just need to get something out on my poor blog <laughs> now is that one going to be in your cookbook um uh, it's it, it might be um it it might be i don't know if i'm going to just give that as a freebie on my blog i know it's like how do you but, choose like what yeah, makes the it's cut really hard it's yeah <laughs> because the funny, the good thing with the, my recipe for Al Pastor is like you can use it for venison, you can use it for I used it with duck. I mean, and there's so many things like duck, like you, you don't need to just eat the breast or the wing right. as it is, or the you know the thighs as it is. Like there's so much more to it. So, I mean, we I even used I crisped up the skins and created chicharrones from it. So it was Ooh. it was a pretty fun little event and showed it showcased duck in a everybody kept going like what's the meat i'm like duck what duck (laughs) what do you mean duck (laughs) duck tacos it's amazing (laughs) well i definitely maybe you should throw that one on there as a freebie because i duck is the only thing that i have that was the first thing that i've hunted and i don't know what to do with it so oh i got you then yes (laughs) so we did a um duck gumbo which is i feel like the simplest thing to create but uh-huh. I just didn't we didn't have like the right seasonings in there there wasn't like I was like this is like gross but I was really proud of it and I was like what the heck like this isn't this shouldn't be the way it is like I want to appreciate this food I want it to be yummy but I just didn't have the recipe so okay I, got I, you. I will give that one out then <laughs> or Google wasn't cutting it I should say so <laughs> if I have anything to say for it put that one out there yeah I will put that one out there then. it's really <laughs> easy you. too it's not difficult so yeah I like to put recipes on my blog that people are like are actual attainable there are some chef recipes that just would take you forever and nobody probably would want to do but something like that is definitely like a more attainable thing to do in your home kitchen that's not going to like take you hours Definitely. and you don't need to like go to five markets to get all the ingredients <laughs> yeah. five markets three fields yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh my goodness all right well I'll be looking out for that one yeah I'll get that up this week well Brie thank you so much I don't want to take up any more of your time we've talked for quite a while um but I appreciate you just sharing with me all of your experiences where you are where you're going so many directions but you're so much fun to follow um, oh, thank you. So where can people find you? Where can people follow your journey? And the big thing is Instagram. Instagram, um, my website is, is usually, I'm, I'm, I will get it updated. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Instagram person because I'm afraid to look at my uh, Facebook messages. <laughs> <laughs> so Instagram it is, and it's, everything's at Wilderness to Table. There's at Wilderness to Table, yes. WildernessToTable.com and then Instagram handle Wilderness to Table. That is awesome. Making it easy for us. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. That was so awesome. Yeah. I'm so glad we got together finally. And we should definitely do a recap after a few trips and after your bikini contest. See how that's going. So definitely do a recap soon. Yeah. It'd be awesome. And uh, if you ever want to make it down to Texas to hunt, 
Yeah, I, I, I know a person. Well, <laughs> I'm kind of thinking that's now moving its way up on my bucket list. So I think it would be fun. I got you. <laughs> or down to Georgia and get some hogs. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we could do that. That sounds, yeah. Or I can put you in a helicopter in oh, Texas. We got lots of options. I know. Yeah, so it would be fun. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. We'll chat soon. Thanks, and Have a good evening. You too. Bye. Bye. I feel like a woman.